the best destinations I have found in life have often been by chance rather than by choice. That's particularly true when flying by private aircraft. Landing at an unplanned destination due to weather deviations or mechanical problems oftentimes fits this mold. In um, a chapter called Unexpected Destinations, there are a variety of short stories about airports uh, discovered unexpectedly or with unexpected discoveries. And um, in this recording, I'll take you through two of those locations. Lutzo K, an airport in the Northwest Territories, and Big Trout Lake in Ontario. Lutzo K is a between lakes airport. Located in the Northwest Territory, this airport gets my camping attention because of its portrayal in the flight supplement. The airfield diagram shows lots of open space and only two small buildings. The long, narrow runway lies on a thin strip of land that separates Great Slave Lake and Stark Lake, with Snowdrift River running alongside the airport stub of land that connects the lakes. Inbound to Lutso K, pronounced Lutso K, I report my position on the airport's CARS frequency. This is a radio communication outlet that supplements the government's air traffic control system, CARS, Community Aerodrome Radio Station, provides an extension of the ATC system at remote locations. CARS doesn't control traffic, but it can relate clearances and provide weather data and information about traffic in the area. The NDB approach does not go well. It's a good thing the weather is relatively clear at Lucille K because my ADF, Automatic Direction Finder Needle, swings wildly from side to side without rhyme or reason. After landing and parking the arrow, I visit the car's facility, a tiny office with a First Nations woman at a radio console. She isn't keen on my request to take her picture, so I snap it quickly. Has anyone reported problems with the NDB lately? I inquire. The woman gives me a strange look and doesn't answer me. It seems she is avoiding my question or doesn't understand. Maybe she is mad at me for taking her picture, so I repeat my concern. My ADF needle was all over the place on the NDB approach. It could be my equipment, but it has worked properly on other approaches. The same strange stare, as if I've raised a question she doesn't want to acknowledge. Then she shrugs her shoulder and seems to relax a bit. Well, there is a problem with the beacon, but I'd rather not report it, she says. Everybody knows the NDB is not working, so local pilots are just ignoring it. Reporting standards for inoperative equipment are pretty straightforward. If a pilot reports problems with navigational aid, it's always taken seriously, except mysteriously not here. This CARS employee obviously knows I'm an American from her radio contact with me during the instrument approach. The arrow's identification number is an immediate giveaway. For some reason, she seems afraid to explain what is going on, maybe because I'm a rare pilot from the States. I stand a few feet in front of her desk, 
while she runs her pen down a clipboard in front of her. She is more interested in the numbers on the sheet than me. She refuses to look directly at me, speaking more to the clipboard than me. There's an osprey nest in the NDB tower, and they have babies, she finally says. It's a pleading tone. A nest in the radio tower? I turn around and glance out the office's glass door. The NDB tower rises upward from the edge of the parking apron. Sure enough, a big nest covers the top of the radio tower. The source of NDB signal interference is obvious. Cancel my report, I state with a sense of satisfaction. It must be my equipment. The car's employee smiles and returns to your clipboard. The minute I hear its name, Big Trout Lake becomes an obvious camping destination. At the flight service station in Thompson, Manitoba, I discuss fuel availability at airports leading to Moosonee, adjacent to Moose Factory Island, my destination on the lower tip of Hudson Bay. To view the famous bay from the air is an exciting thought, and now we are within one fuel stop of that goal. Forest fires blanket northern Ontario. Big Trout Lake is an airport nearly on the path to Moosonee. The current weather report shows Big Trout hovering above VFR minimums. Although we are capable of IFR, the only approach to Big Trout will be via non-directional beacon. They don't call NDB arrivals non-precision approaches for nothing. The flight service station specialist verifies that Big Trout is fuel and the weather between here and there looks good. If the visibility is unacceptable along the way because of the smoke, they have plenty of fuel to turn around and come back. The flight is uneventful. Approaching Big Trout Lake, the visibilities deteriorate rapidly, but we sneak in VFR. It's an airport that lives up to its name. I'm not sure about the trout, no fishing pole board, but the lake is within walking distance and so is the First Nations town. We carry enough gas to make it to Moosonee without additional fuel, but it never hurts to top off when gas is available, especially in remote areas. We can take on an additional 60 liters at Big Trout, if we can find someone to pump it. We park next to the fuel holes, but a sign on the shed says, fuel attendant in town. It must not be a very big town. Margie and I walk down the road to the town, stopping for a 7-Up at a house that advertises hot dogs, dogs, and drinks here. It's a refreshing stop on a warm July day. The first commercial shop we come to is the office of the local airline, with a sign outside that says, Bearskin Lake Air Service. The airline's twin otters are the only realistic way in and out of Big Trout Lake. So it's a small but booming business. A barely English-speaking gas attendant gives us a ride back to the airport to refuel the arrow. It's difficult to communicate with the young attendant, but I use some hand signals to explain the simple situation. To the top with the fuel. After pumping 57.8 liters, the man struggles with paper and pen, trying to multiply the quantity of gas by the price per liter. I offered to help, but he shrugs me away. Since I don't know the fuel price, 
I can't assist. It saddens me to watch him try to multiply these numbers, probably a disadvantage he will have to face forever in life. After a few more minutes, the man digs an electronic calculator out of the shed and tries again. This time he comes up with a number, $185. This was only a top-off, less than 60 liters. I quickly do the mental math, well over $3 per liter. Surely there is an error. We'll need to return to town to pay our fuel bills, so we'll resolve it there. There is no error. The cashier explains the situation. All fuel has to be flown into this airport at great expense. Bladderbirds, twin otters with tanks full of fuel, arrive during the night. They make a noisy addition to our overnight camping experience at the end of the runway. Our camping spot is in the dirt, but comfortable. Except for the thunder of the twin engine airplanes coming and going all night long. Nighttime flight operations at this remote location considerably exceed the daytime level of activity. Lesson. When you ask flight service about fuel availability, you might also inquire about the price. And don't camp at a busy gas station. For further information about the Up the Lake series of books, visit www.powellriverbooks.com. See you up the lake.